The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome everyone to our show, One Hour at a Time. Today our guest is Dr. Andrea Barthwell, who we are very excited to have on. She is a very accomplished woman and uh, will be able to speak to us on many things. But our topic today is going to be um, what does it mean to really have individualized treatment and to provide individualized treatment? Let me introduce Dr. Barthwell by um, sharing some of her accomplishments. She is the founder and chief executive officer of the global health care and policy consulting firm EM Global. President George Bush nominated Dr. Barthwell in December 2001 to serve as deputy director for demand reduction in the Office of National Drug Control Policy. The United States Senate confirmed her nomination on January 28, 2002. As a member of the President's sub-cabinet, Dr. Barthwell was principal advisor in the executive office of the President on policies aimed at reducing the demand for illicit drugs. During Dr. Barthwell's tenure, the Bush administration widely publicized the science-based facts about the dangers of marijuana use and the harms of drug legalization. The administration encouraged student drug testing as a deterrent to the initiation of drug use and as an early identification tool. It also promoted the expansion and improvement of drug courts. Dr. Barthwell received a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology from Wesleyan University and a Doctor of Medicine from the University of Michigan Medical School. Following her postgraduate training at the University of Chicago and Northwestern Medical University, she began her practice in the Chicago area. Dr. Barthwell served as president of the Encounter Medical Group, an affiliate of EM Global, was a founding member of the Chicago Area AIDS Task Force, hosted a weekly cable show on AIDS, and is a past president of the American Society of Addiction Medicine. In 2003, Dr. Barthwell received the Betty Ford Award given by the Association for Medical Education and Research in Substance Abuse. In 1997, Dr. Barthwell's peers named her as one of the best doctors in America in addiction medicine. Dr. Barthwell is currently the Executive Director of Two Dreams on the Outer Banks in North Carolina. And welcome, Dr. Barthwell. Well, thank you, Mary. I'm happy to be here. Um, we wanted to begin to talk about um, what... What does it really mean to have individualized treatment? Because that's certainly um, an expression that's bantered around everywhere. Right. So so what is your take on that? Well, what we've tried to do at Two Dreams Outer Banks is to put together this exquisitely individualized treatment that is based upon an assessment of your needs, your view of the world, how you interact in the world, and... um, follow you through our three phases of treatment, the coming in, which is uh, developing trust and safety so that you can participate in treatment, looking inward, which is the introspective part of treatment, and then looking outward, which is putting together a plan that's going to allow you to build on the gains made in treatment. And and our treatment uh, services are uh, recovery enhancement focused. We don't talk about relapse prevention. We talk about recovery enhancement. And we also provide... um, 
services to individuals who want to come uh, back after uh, a period of stable abstinence or even stable recovery to build on the gains that they've made over time. Um, so it, it looks at what your needs are and helps you put together a plan to uh, achieve them. So doing that, you have to take into account the severity of the presenting illness uh, and match the intensity of your services to that uh, presenting illness. And then basically, based upon your assessment, which should also should inform treatment, but should also allow the individual who's being assessed to have a greater understanding of the true extent and nature of their disease, describe the services that that person needs during that treatment episode. Um, and so we don't deal with things such as um, having to have a treatment failure as a prerequisite to work with us. We have ASAM level 2 and 3, and I'll explain the ASAM principles in a moment, in an outpatient sanctuary, and it's attached to um, residential sober living. Um, so we can create level 3 care uh, in our environment. We also do not have a preset length of stay. Uh, your length of stay is determined by how quickly you move through the phases. Your length of stay is determined how deeply you move within those phases, and you determine your length of stay basically by um, how uh, well you engage and by showing us at each phase your readiness to move on to the next phase. So someone might come in and spend two days in the looking in phase where you're, we're developing safety and creating the relationships that you're going to work with in treatment. Um, if they come in with a you know a great openness to that and spend more time in the looking inward, the introspective phases. Um, it's really interesting your use of language because this is non-traditional language for most um, addiction providers. So I'm wondering if you've... This is kind of a different concept. Um, it, it builds on 30 years of uh, scientific evidence and then 30 years of my empirical knowledge based upon my experiences in treating addictions. Um, I've spent all my career working in addiction medicine. Um, I've worked in every modality. Um, I've worked with every philosophy that explains addiction. And what I've done is brought together um, all of the best of that so that it can be tapped in a way that's appropriate for the person coming into treatment. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about, you know, the, the things that you're observing, though, in, in the language and uh, show how that ties back to what people are really comfortable with. Um, I mean, I think the first might be that we don't talk about relapse prevention. Mm -hmm. um, relapse prevention and focusing on relapse then makes um, the fact that you're abstinent the most important thing to happen from treatment. And the most important thing to happen from treatment is that you achieve uh, mental peace, physical well-being, and regain your personal productivity. So we, uh, you know, there's a saying in AA, first things first, we look at what, um, what is first. And what's first is that you're able to be restored to um, the trajectory that your life would have projected, predicted based upon, uh, you know, your circumstances, your skills, and your abilities, and your support, and, and get you back on that trajectory, and then also show you how to move on to another one, building in a self-directed way on the gains made of treatment. 
uh, several years back, I participated in a panel that the Center for Substance Abuse Treatment put together that looked at um, the erosion away of the gains made in treatment and how that would happen, and they were monitoring that over time. And I told the panel I thought it was ridiculous that what we would study is how quickly people lost the gains made in treatment rather than setting out a study that would look to see what threshold do you have to achieve in order to build on those gains in a self-directed way. So it's a, it's a, a little bit of shift in um, philosophy and belief that an individual can get to a point where um, they know what it is that they need and they'll engage in those activities, but we've got to get them there. Well, this sounds, excuse me, this sounds much more practical and um, actually skill-based and a much more um, hopeful approach. Yeah, and it's, we talk about our approach being a developmental model. Right. Um, so, for example, you might have a woman who comes into treatment who lives with a drug and alcohol using man, and if you spend your first week talking about what a bad idea that is, the only thing that she can do when that subject comes up is to defend her decision. Right. But if you work with her to understand her disease and needs, help her achieve um, a moment of serenity sort of spontaneously, um, and then focus on how that felt and why that's desirable, and then focus and work with her beyond that to try to um, make that serenity register in, in the midst of chaos mm-hmm. and have her achieve that success. Uh, you know, she's maybe compl- uh, behind in her, her homework related to the program and she's feeling stressed, and then she uses some of the tools that she's learned in treatment and feels uh, calm that evening and then comes and reports it. Then you start talking about, so the, the things that you have to do in order to feel that serenity in the midst of chaos, is it easier or harder with your boyfriend sitting on the other end of the couch with a beer in his hand? So you don't take on things that you don't need to take on until one is developmentally able to take on them. And I've worked in programs where we, uh, you know, go after um, a person's denial and uh, want to make them uh, admit and commit. And I've understood from a developmental model that um, there's an understanding at an intellectual level. You know, you can catalog your addiction. There's an understanding at an emotional level that, you know, that's where the heartfelt commitment comes from there, and that if you can't acknowledge your addiction first, you can't commit to recovery. So we spend our, once you go through phase one, where we're developing trust and the relationship in in which you'll do this work, uh, time acknowledging uh, the impact that your addiction had on you, and once that's done, then we can start working at a deeper level, uh, committing to recovery, um, looking at where the resistance to do the things that are being recommended is coming from and trying to work through that resistance, really chunking problems down into a manageable size. And, and then in order to leave treatment, we have to look outward, um, which uh, surveys where you're going to return to, and we want to work with you to reduce or eliminate any inducements to use once you leave. We want to make sure that there are no problems in your pathway that can be managed now uh, that would make it harder for you to find your sweet spot again. Well, you know, that makes so much sense because if somebody is able to experience uh, a moment of serenity, a moment of feeling good about themselves, then that's something that they can refer back to, which makes a whole lot more sense to them than 
um, you need to you need to avoid people, places, and things, which is kind of an external thing. But if they've already experienced something, it gives them something to immediately connect back to, like, wow, I want to feel that again, as opposed to how overwhelmed people say people get when you say, you know, you have to avoid all the people, places, and things that you were associating with before you came into treatment. Right, and that is a very powerful thing that, that you're talking about, having that feeling and wanting to recreate that feeling. And once you've had that feeling and then want to recreate that feeling, you can have an honest conversation about how easy or difficult it will be given your current circumstances. And so it is really a developmental model. Um, but we do tie, uh, some of our conversation has focused on what we do, and it, and it, and it hasn't connected to uh, the broader self-help community. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about how we tie into the self-help community, because we don't see our counselors as, as glorified sponsors. Right. Uh, but we do know that if you're not connecting with the 12-step community, uh, your chances of continuing to build on the gains made in treatment are reduced. Your ability to do that is reduced. That's right. Um, it it kind of sounds to me like the first time I went to a, had like a, a spa day, Mm. And I came away from that feeling like I've never felt so relaxed. I've never felt so at peace and, and pampered and nurtured. And um, and it's like that was like an aha moment for me. And uh, and so it you know it's something that now I I think wow I can get back to that place. I, I can that's something I can achieve. Um, and uh, we'll be right back with Dr. Barthwell to talk a little bit more about um, the whole concept of looking inward and outward and also the role of the recovery community um, in her treatment model. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Listen up. Conceive Magazine is now on the air, live, and on demand on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Hosted by Kim Hahn. 
founder of Conceive Magazine. Conceive On Air offers comfort and emotional support to women contemplating starting or expanding their family by consulting noted professional experts and by sharing the insights and experiences of others. Kim wants to share her experiences to educate and empower women. Conceive On Air is the only complete resource destination that inspires and informs future moms about their fertility on the journey to parenthood. Conceive On Air with Kim Han, celebrating the creation of families. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone, to One Hour Time. Today we are talking with Dr. Andrea Barthwell about what it means to have individualized treatment, and we're also talking about her um, new program that she has developed, which is called Two Dreams Outer Banks in North Carolina. And um, for those of you who are just tuning in, it's it's really... Um, it's a, devel- it's a developmental model, but it's also a model that really looks at what the person needs in terms of trust and safety and how they can connect for themselves what it's going to take to really um, achieve recovery. And before we went to commercial, we were talking a little bit about, um, you had mentioned, Dr. Barthwell, about the your counselors were not like um, I'm glorified sponsors. I think that's what you said. Yes. Um, and that there is a role for um, self-help or mutual help within this developmental program, and um, you were going to tell us more about that. Yeah, I um, have have um, built the program around the notion that recovery is joy. Um, treatment may be hard. Slogging through um, the issues that one has hidden away or tried to develop coping mechanisms to get around may be difficult, but recovery is joy. And if recovery isn't full of joy, why stay in it? Um, So we start with the notion that um, you may do hard work. Um, One of the reasons why we we pause when you get in to develop uh, a trust and familiarity and safety is so that you understand that you're not doing this alone uh, you're doing it within the group milieu. You're doing it with the professional counselors who are, you know, pulsing your uh, comfort and ability uh, to move through the work that you have to do. But on the other side of things, it's it's uh, a recovery should be full of joy. And if it's not, you're not going to stay in it. So that's where we, we start. And um, we have our um, patients, clients, participants, residents, whatever you are, depending upon what phase you're in or how you're interacting with the therapeutic team, uh, attend uh, 12-step meetings in uh, the local area. And uh, some of our patients have been through treatment multiple times and have relapsed. I I particularly enjoy working with people who 
have had multiple relapses and need to do another level of work in order to build on everything that they've learned. So they may have a sponsor at home that they're in touch with, um, uh, but we don't see ourselves uh, replacing that. We do offer psychoeducation where we uh, deal with educational topics that are important to um, individuals and we show how the work that we're doing is reflected in what they're hearing and participating in in 12 Steps so that uh, we give them an introduction to the language so that they're not having to learn two, two new languages. And we use a lot of the language and the platitudes from uh, 12-step uh, movement in our program so that they're not having to learn two um, uh, new languages. But we see um, that as their work, and the work in treatment is facilitated by the professional. Um, we uh, do continuous assessment to, because you want to know that the, the, the therapeutic techniques that you're applying are bringing about a change in, to the, in the direction and to the extent that you predicted. And if it didn't, you have to go back and figure out you know, what you have to do to modify that. We provide issue-specific sport groups, a medical evaluation. Uh, we are not at all afraid of pharmacotherapy. If you're on medications with a psychiatrist and it's stable, we'll work with the psychiatrist to continue those medications while you're there. If you need medications started while you're there, we work with an addiction psychiatrist to make those recommendations. We work with an addictionist to make recommendations about how to manage cravings and, and uh, other things related to withdrawal. We do not do detox. We have, if, if detox is needed, we have people do that before joining us. Uh, we provide individual therapy, personal training, uh, nutritional planning, stress management. Uh, we do all of the work with professional reengagement for people who have licensure issues. Uh, we we uh, do recovery coaching and connect to recovery coaches uh, back home. Uh, family therapy, we monitor for substance use while, where they, while you're there, and your stay is modified based upon what your needs are. We know what you need to look like before you leave, and we will work with you to stay in treatment until you're there or create um, surrogates for our treatment at home that will help you get there if you have enough stability to leave us. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, you know, why we do personal training and nutritional planning, too, um, and use some examples. Um, we set up your sort of exercise program, and um, movement is an important part of what people do while they're there. It's completely integrated. Um, the diet that we, the you know, nutritional program that we use is informed by the scientific literature, so we give you six feedings a day. There are a couple nutrition uh, stops and what we call nutrition uh, stations, uh, hydration stations during the day to keep your fluids up. Your feeding is uh, designed to support your exercise program and also uh, brain functioning and uh, brain repair. Um, your, uh, we want a steady blood level so people journal while they're at our program looking at their hunger levels throughout the day. They also monitor angriness, loneliness, and how tired they are. So we're doing a halt uh, mm -hmm. graph across the day. You see how we integrate some concepts from 12-step recovery into our treatment. And we have uh, spots during the day where, where after very intense group therapy, there are, it's a very clinically intense program. So after the process group, you have a moment where you sit on rockers on the porches and 
consolidate some of the information that's been revealed or available to you as a result of that. And so we, though it is clinically intense, we give you time to um, process what it is that you're being exposed to. Um, well, and I think to go back to the HALT journaling, a lot of a lot of the hungry, angry, lonely, tired can be also a direct correlation of how low your blood sugar is. Absolutely. And so we want to make sure that you're feeding appropriately. We actually have you journal what you're eating. Your heavy meal is uh, midday. The foods that you're given at night are sleep-inducing aids, <laughs> Um, natural sleep-inducing aids. We teach you a lot about uh, food preparation. And um, we're sensitive to the way that the body responds to post-acute withdrawal. So if you're a heroin user, your program may include more massage and use of heating pads and uh, stretching the muscles against the long bones. If you're a marijuana user, we may... um, Uh, up your movement and go into heavy aerobics very early on with long runs on the beach. We're right on the water, so long runs on the beach because that kind of movement is incompatible with um, marijuana smoking, so it discourages the return to use early in treatment. So we, we take a lot of things into consideration based upon what we know about how the drugs interact with the individual to put together their their, their movement program that's individualized for them. Um, how did you find the, the exercise component? Where did you, how did you develop that? Well, um, again, some, somewhat on the scientific literature, uh, somewhat on my experiences over time in working with programs. I've worked in all kinds of programs, including methadone programs. So I've had exposure to people who have... Um, used all kinds of drugs. I've cataloged the kinds of complaints that they have. I've uh, tried a lot of things over time. And then we've worked with um, trainers who um, have professional training in this to um, uh, turn my input into a program. And then finally, we decide on a course that we're going to take, but then the clinical staff monitor how the person's responding to that and will modify it if need be. So far, we've been uh, good on, on every recommendation that we've started with. What do you do typically for someone who um, is a heavy drinker? Well, with heavy drinking, um, you know, you're going to have had engaged in sh- uh, high sugar content beverages with low nutritional value. So we tend to see that your, your drinkers have um, a spare tire mm-hmm. that they want to get rid of when they start thinking about what their health is. And they also have um, issues with liver, so you're going to you know, use B vitamins and foods that are rich in B vitamins. Um, and, but they're quite um, fragile and friable when they first come in. So we go to soothing massage, easy stretching, movement that uses one's body weight and not loose free weights, Mm-hmm. Um, and then build up to a gradual build up in tolerance uh, with a focus on aerobics. And so that would be the developmental phases, and it might be a week in each of those phases where in the first week you're getting daily massages because you've got a lot of um, neurotransmitters firing and they're, you know, they're agitated and they're tremulous. And, you know, even after the detox facility, uh, detox program, they're still quite... Um, hyper-agitated rather than calm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So you want to use massage and calming and, and hydrotherapy or just sitting in the uh, hot tub or sitting in the sauna. And then uh, stretching uh, just to get used to movement without injury and then doing things that use the, the one's body weight. And then finally, um, people do walk from where they live to the sanctuary, so walking or biking is a part of every, everyone's life. Short walks and bikes are introduced right away. There's a short walk to the beach for the sunrise and the sunset um, experiences, and so those things are built in. But then we want to give them a program that is going to allow them to push aerobically mm-hmm. and to start shedding those extra pounds. This, at the same time, while we're feeding them appropriately. Right, right, yes. right. Um, what about, uh, like, women who are premenopausal or menopausal? Are you looking at that in any significant way? Um, we have the capacity to. We don't have, uh, you know, we're, we are a startup, and so we haven't had um, everything come through. But we've talked about all that we'll do, and... Um, in the uh, premenopausal, the, the, the diary helps mm-hmm. for looking at the way your mood changes across the day and then again across the month and trying to help people uh, manage those fluctuations in, in, uh, in mood with other ways of self-soothing and just in awareness um, helps. Uh, also, we're looking at the, you know, the puffiness and the weight gain that comes with the premenstrual state, um, and how to manage uh, cramps, and uh, that might be associated with uh, craving uh, in the premenopausal woman. And then the postmenopausal woman, um, the diary is very, very important uh, again for helping to monitor uh, hot flashes, seeing if there's an association with uh, her nutrition. Uh, you, you know, we know that weight loss and increasing soy are things that you can do that are more natural to help with that. So we, 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 we're trying to create through our movement and journaling program just more self-awareness, which has not been present when one has been using. A lot of things that um, are happening outside of drug use get mislabeled as withdrawal and get responded to through use. And so we want to create habits and patterns that allow people to cope with the way they're feeling in ways that um, don't use chemicals. Um, is there anything that you've found that has um, really been like an aha moment since you've started to do this? I mean, is there any one thing that's been like, wow, I always knew that that was going to work? Or Yeah, it's, we have a, it's been the art therapy I've been completely amazed at the way that our patients have invested themselves in communicating with us in pre-verbal ways. And, uh, you know, I'd like to tell you uh, a, a lot about that, I guess, after the break. Okay. Well, then we'll be right back, and we'll learn more about the art therapy at Two Dreams Outer Banks. We'll be right back. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Stop wasting time. Get what you want. Live your dream life. The Dream Big Revolution. Imagine having more freedom, better health, more money, happiness. Could your business be more successful? Unless you're living the life you want, you're wasting precious time. Your life is too valuable to waste. Let Leanne Hilgers help you find health, wealth, and happiness. Listen in and live your dream life. Join the Dream Big Revolution. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Wake up with a unique daily show covering the world of sports with a new perspective. Get off the bench with Mitchell John. We'll bring you the current sports news and events happening now, not later like the others. Your first look at sports will feature the news and views from professional, college, and high school sports. Tune in with Mitchell John for a can't-miss program every weekday. Catch Get Off the Bench with Mitchell John weekday mornings at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your life. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll free number is 1 866 472 5792. That number again is 1 866 472 5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone, to One Hour at a Time. I am your host, Mary Woods, and our guest today is Dr. Andrea Barthwell, who is a very accomplished uh, doctor who is the past president of the American Society of Addiction Medicine and has also worked um, for the Bush administration as deputy director for demand reduction in the Office of National Drug Control Policy. And before going to break, we were talking about um, one of your, like, wows um, in terms of an uh, aha moment, and you were talking about art therapy, but um, I think it's also important we let everybody know that um, Two Dreams Outer Banks is for both men and women. Um, we've we've kind of gone down the, the female path here, but um, I'd like to give you an opportunity to talk about the more holistic program, too, Dr. Barthwell. Right. Um, it, it Because it sounds so uh, luxurious and spa-like, there, there may be men out there saying, well, I wouldn't go there, but we do modify what we do appropriately uh, for men. It is a co-ed facility. Um, when we expand, we will have um, female-only and male-only residences, but right now we have a co-ed residence with the house mother. Um, and um, we're, you know, we're going to move past that as we grow. But we do take men and... Um, We'll modify the training program in ways that are appropriate for men. But to my point about alcohol, uh, you know, you get a number of men who come into treatment and um, they need soothing and uh, massage to work 
the kinks out and calm the body too in the same way that women do. And uh, this is an opportunity for people to explore um, how they can use a variety of resources to um, heal themselves. And you know, I think what, what I've found over time with addictions is that the, the people who have addictions have a very limited repertoire of people in their lives and things in their lives that um, help them. In fact, most people who have addiction only have people in, life, in their life who they use drugs with or who tolerate their drug use. And so we're teaching people how to expand that in a way that's, that's healthy for them and to um, explore uh, activities. We have kayaking and golfing and horseback riding and other things that, might, uh, that appeal to a broad range of people. And uh, it's so individualized that we can uh, modify how you use your free time so that it uh, meets your needs and um, helps you to heal at the same time. Uh, and again, the, the family program uh, would um, work with anyone that you identify as important for your recovery. Um, I like what Mark Gallanter has done with network therapy and in working with patients to identify the people who will be helpful to them when they leave treatment to uh, stay sober. Now, in his network therapy and how he's written about it in the literature, you're in an outpatient setting and you're working with your net, you and your network to keep you sober, but we would apply those same principles to your care uh, once you leave therapy and, and work with your identified network while you're there. What about the spiritual component of your program? Is there a, is there a special um, types of interventions to help people with their spirituality? Um, it, again, there are some people who um, uh, want to work on that. There are some people who see themselves as being very spiritual, um, but it's very religious and maybe not as spiritual. Um, so we, we assess where you are and what your needs are, and then we'll modify what we do to help you achieve that which will be, help you be successful upon leaving treatment. Um, again, we, so you know, we, we don't force anyone to uh, participate in organized religion, but we make that available on uh, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, depending upon you know, what you do. Um, and we talk a lot about the, you know there's a communication in the the, the communication the, the the community group in the morning is focused on spirituality and we do readings the traditional readings that that folks who have gone to treatment or work in treatment are familiar with uh, some of them are neutral some are more spiritual or biblical and uh, a person in the community gets to choose what they read. Uh, so that varies depending upon who is leading the community group that morning. Um, there's meditation that occurs after that. Um, and then there's obviously the, the working on uh, writing and delivering your, your fifth step before uh, leaving treatment or preparation for it. Um, and that um, could be done either with a, your temporary sponsor in a treatment or a sponsor at home, your more permanent sponsor at home, or someone from the clergy. So we modify, we don't have any set rules because everybody's different and their needs are different. Um, you were going to talk to us about the art therapy? Yeah, I mean, the, the um, most people who work in treatment or have been in treatment know that there are various components that you use that um, rely on art therapy. I guess the most common one is having someone 
do a bag, which they put pictures, uh, clippings from magazines on the outside of the bag that is what they, how they want to be perceived, and then they put all of the pictures inside of the things that they have hidden that are inside them that need to be shared in order for us in treatment to know them better and um, in order for them to start um, exposing their secrets to the light so that they're not so secret anymore and they don't have so much power over the person. And um, it's been amazing to me how, how invested uh, the patients have been in doing a good job with these projects, but also how truly revealing they are. And you know, when I've worked in treatment in the past, um, the clinical team has spent more time looking at those details than, than I have, being you know, part of the, the physicians and medical team. Um, but I'm uh, deeply engaged with um, the clinical team on a daily basis and review with them their plans for the day and how their day went and, you know, how they're going to modify treatment so that they're using the model that I've developed for Two Dreams. So I've had even uh, participated in the interpretations of these bags, and I've just been completely amazed at how revealing they are, even when the person who put it together didn't know they were revealing what they were and how helpful it's been to review them. And I work with an extremely skilled art therapist, uh, Elizabeth Holt, who has um, uh, two decades' worth of um, experience in doing art therapy in the addiction setting, Um, and she's been so um, um, helpful to me in just learning how to use these techniques better in, in you know, getting patients to be able to reveal themselves to you and to get at material that may be pre-verbal, that they're, they're not able to talk about. Um, I, one of the things I'd like to kind of go back to is your definition of recovery, which you said was mental peace, physical well-being, and having a person achieve their, um, like, pre-illness productivity. And how did you come up with that? Because recovery seems to be... A, a word that's bantered about, um, and a lot of treatment programs, recovery does mean abstinence. So. Right, or, or at least treatment completion means abstinence. Right. Um, well, there was a NIDA study that was done, and there was a monograph that came from it, and they had a, a way, uh, it was a manualized therapy for doing 64 sessions with people as a part of aftercare. And um, they looked at the areas where, where people had difficulty and they organized these groups around those activities. I had a manual once and I lost it and I don't have access to it anymore. But I, there was a part in that manual when NIDA was first manualizing therapies, CBT and others, mm-hmm. um, and teaching people how to do things. There was a part that described um, interviews with thousands of people who had 10-plus years of sobriety and the characteristics that describe them 10 years out. And um, when I distilled those things down into the mental, uh, physical, and um, um, other domains, it really came down to they had mental peace, you know, an acceptance of their past, Um, They were able to describe at least five things that they did for recreation sort of spontaneously. Um, A lot of them had their work tied to recovery activities. It didn't define them anymore, 
but they found that they were either working in the field or spending a lot of their time helping other people achieve recovery. Um, so when I looked at all the things that were common denominators in these thousands of people who had 10 years plus of sobriety, they had mental peace, physical well-being, and they were personally productive. And so how, when, when we think about abstinence, how do you correlate that to abstinence? None of that's achieved while you're continuing to use drugs. Right. That's something that you just have to do in order to get on that path. So um, I think, as we both know, there are plenty of people who are abstinent from drugs and alcohol who do not have mental peace or physical well-being or are not very productive. Yeah, we used to refer to them as white-knuckle sobriety. Yeah. Yeah, and what we, the reason we have a recovery enhancement focus is that um, they they have their recovery, but it, it could be improved. And so I'm not looking to prevent a return to drug use. I'm looking to help them figure out how to engage in a self-directed way in activities that continue to improve their life. So remember I said I, I want them back uh, on that trajectory of their life, but we all haven't had a trajectory that would put us in a good spot. You right. Know, you may have been sexually abused as a young woman, and that trajectory wasn't a good spot, so it puts you back where you would have been had you not used drugs and then also shows you how to get on another trajectory. And um, at the end of the day, giving back um, elevates you. And that's, and that's the, how you keep it. Yeah, yeah. And we'll be right back for a final segment with Dr. Barthwell after this commercial. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Wake up with a unique daily show covering the world of sports with a new perspective. Get off the bench with Mitchell John. We'll bring you the current sports news and events happening now, not later like the others. Your first look at sports will feature the news and views from professional, college, and high school sports. Tune in with Mitchell John for a can't-miss program every weekday. Catch Get Off the Bench with Mitchell John weekday mornings at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On mind, brain, and body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone, to One Hour at a Time. Today we are talking with Dr. Andrea Barthwell about individualized treatment, and um, she's sharing with us her her whole new concept of, of treatment, which she is providing at Two Dreams Outer Banks in North Carolina. And um, before we went to commercial, we were talking about how Dr. Barthwell conceptualizes recovery as mental peace, physical well-being, and personal pro- productivity, and um, and that... That is very. That's a great definition. However, um, it's been my experience that when I go to conferences or I see a number of people um, from different addiction treatment um, settings, there's this whole concept that sobriety and abstinence is the only thing that we should focus on, and that um, yeah, you know, mental peace is nice, but you know, um, I, I've seen people debate the whole opiate. Um, replacement therapy, and and if you're on opiate replacements, then you're not um, really sober, and if you're taking SSRIs for your depression, then you're not really sober, or or if you're taking lithium for your bipolar disorder, you're not really sober, and um, I just wondered what your thoughts are on that. Um, I, I think that those people who are engaging in that debate ought to take their own inventory. Um, if someone is on a medication that gives them stable receptor firing, like an opioid replacement therapy, and they're not taking heroin and getting high and having these alternating periods of being high and being in withdrawal, but that their receptors are turned on in an appropriate way, uh, in the same way that um, insulin allows you to interact with sugar and metabolize it in an appropriate way, and um, you are at peace mentally, and you have the uh, physical um, well-being to do the things that are meaningful, and you're doing them through your personal productivity, what more could anyone want? Um, Now, obviously, I've... um, uh, talk to patients about whether they uh, need to continue on in that state um, and if they want to try a, a drug-free holiday, uh, we're there to help them do that. But if they have all of that uh, with their medication uh, therapy, they're assisted with medications in that, um, and it's not uh, creating an on-off, on-off um, chaos in their life, which addiction does, um, it probably should be left alone. Well, and I, this is my own personal belief, but I think if more physicians were willing to do that, we'd understand better who really needs opiate replacement therapy for six months, who needs it for a year, and who needs it for a lifetime. And and I think that's been part of the challenge with this is that because, um, you know, we're not willing to be a little bit more creative and help people with med holidays and understand that, that I'm sure, just like with diabetes, there are people that need it for varying amounts of time. Right. I actually was being serviced in a salon yesterday by a woman who um, has struggled with weight, and she's on the highest dose of oral 
hypoglycemics that she can be on. And the next uh, step for her would be to go on insulin, but she's lost 75 pounds in the last nine months, and she's really on track for having lost 100 pounds in 12 months and uh, changing the way her body interacts with uh, sugar. And she she is you know maybe going to be able to start reducing her dose of oral medicines and uh, potentially, if she continues and loses the second 100 pounds that she wants to lose, she won't have diabetes at all. We don't know because some of it's related to obesity. Um, and so it would be ridiculous for me to suggest to her that she shouldn't take insulin if that's what she needs now. And while she does all makes these other really life-transformative changes in what she eats and how she works out, she may find that her disease is at a different state and not reliant upon it. And I should, as a physician, be able to be there with her, too, and not insist that she stay on insulin after she's done all this life-transforming work. And that, um, if addiction truly is a disease, as I believe it is, that's what we should be doing with patients as their, they change, their life changes, and their needs change. I know, and I, this is... Uh, I. And I, and I just wish that we could get to that point. Sometimes I get the sense that that because, for the most part, addiction has been a consumer-driven um, kind of treatment episodes that, that so many people come into the profession from their own recovery that, as you said earlier, I don't know if you said this on air or off air, is that people need to take their own inventory. How much of this is based on science and knowledge, and how much do people just base on their own experience? And, uh-huh. and until until they evolve in their own recovery, it's like they, the door doesn't open for them or the light doesn't go on. Well, that's why we, we offer those recovery enhancement one-week retreats, because I know that there are a number of people who have 15 years of sobriety or abstinence, but it's been the same year 15 times. And they could use, and, and you know, they may feel, uh, I've, I've worked with counselors, who uh, feel as if their own sobriety is threatened because someone is getting it in a different way. And that's why I I made the express point of saying uh, we're not glorified sponsors. Um, And I have, I work with people who are both in recovery and with professional training and those with professional training who are not in recovery. Um, But we have to check recovery at the door. If that's something that we own, we have to check it at the door. And um, the recovery experience is what someone gets outside of treatment. And there are going to be people that are in treatment who are on medications who go to a 12-step meeting and hear that they shouldn't be on a medication, and they're going to bring that content back to within the, the professional walls of the sanctuary and want to talk about that. And we have to talk about that in a professional way. Um, so we know that people will feel conflicted between what's going on in treatment and their experience in AA, but we also have an obligation as treatment providers to prepare for someone for going into an AA or an NA or any other 12-step meeting and for understanding that they take what they need and they leave the rest. Um, and that's what works about it. You, get your, you can get your needs met there. Um, and sometimes you'll hear things that you don't need and you need to just leave it there and you're not obligated to pick it up and bring it home with you. Right, right. Or back, bring it back to treatment with you. Um, you made the point that um, there are physicians who are contributing to this also, and I think that it's uh, 
uh, you know, as physicians, we there there are some that need more training and education. Uh, there are some physicians who feel the same way that their own circumstance is, is threatened because the patient is doing it in a different way. Um, by and large, um, physicians and nurses who have access to the scientific material that's being developed uh, by uh, in addiction medicine, you know, are able to have their uh, views broadened. Um, uh, but there's been a real challenge in getting the scientific literature into the treatment delivery enterprise, and NIDA and CSAT have, you know, aligned their resources try to, to try to overcome that, because we've got 30 years of scientific data uh, that isn't well incorporated into the addiction treatment enterprise. Some of it's working, but a lot of it is, is, is left over on the scientific side, whether it's for relevance or because we don't have a good way of transferring that technology. But we do know that that's something that the, at least the U.S. government's working on. Um, and, you know, this hour has just flown by, Dr. Barthwell, and um, we have like maybe 30 seconds left if you want to talk a little bit about ASAM or at least direct people where they can... Um, get more information on ASAM and how they can contact you and learn more about uh, Two Dreams Outer Banks? Yes, we have a web page. Um, it's www.twodreamsouterbanks.com, and that dreams is plural and, and banks is plural, so it's twodreamsouterbanks.com. Um, the thing that I wanted to say about ASAM is that we've built our program on the principles from the patient placement criteria created by the American Society of Addiction Medicine. So uh, we individualize the therapy based upon an assessment of the six domains, their acute intoxication or withdrawal, the biomedical conditions, emotional behavioral conditions, treatment acceptance, relapse potential, and recovery or living environment. And we're informed from those six domains as to what someone needs, and we try to provide that in a very highly individualized way. Uh, we welcome visitors, and uh, if someone is interested in treatment with us, they can go on the web page and contact me through the uh, email that's up there. I'm also Dr. Barthwell at Two Dreams uh, Outer Banks. Um, thank you so much for this very enlightening and progressive uh, show for this week. Um, I've learned a lot, and I'm really excited about what you're doing. And uh, thank you for, for putting your 30 years of collective experience to work because it sounds wonderful. Well, thank you, Mary. And I look forward to coming back uh, on the show to talk about some other topics with you. Yes, I would love to have you back, and we'll try and arrange that. So okay. uh, uh, thank you. Thank you so much, and um, good, have a great week, everybody. And uh, we'll see you again or talk with all of you again next week. Have a great week. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us today for One Hour at a Time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.